In this episode, Jason Lafferty shows us why he left California to operate a taco truck in Alabama and then burned everything to the ground and ran to Texas. <laughs> you don't want to miss this. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the Do Zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. You should sit in meditation for 20 minutes a day, unless you're too busy. Then you should sit for an hour. Zen proverb. DC Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and just a bunch of badass human beings looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Today's guest is Jason Lafferty. Jason is an insurance and real estate agent in Fort Worth, Texas, who is trying to build an RV park empire. Jason, welcome to the zone, Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Um, yeah. Cool. So <clears throat> a key get most things that most people don't think of. I think for me, a big thing has just been kind of clarity on what I want. Because, um, you know, the first 10 years of my entrepreneur journey, it was always like, yeah, I'm going to get there and then something cool is going to happen or something's going to change, but it wasn't very really clear. So I think just a little clarity on, on exactly what I want is it kind of just opens up the floodgates for productivity for me. So Man, that's my I, answer. I, I've shared the, I've shared the same advice countless times. It, it just really doesn't matter how good you are at something. Uh, if you don't know what you actually want to accomplish. Uh, mm -hmm. That really is crucial. You must form a destination before you can take off on the trip. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, man. And so, so you spent some time kind of wandering around. Uh, what was that when you said, yeah. oh, well, I get here, things will be cool. What was that in your head before you really knew what you wanted? What was your vision of the future? What was really driving you at that time before you had that clarity of vision? Um, the drive, I don't know. I've just, I've just always been scrappy and hungry. So I've never really lacked the drive. I've definitely always lacked like being more purposeful and intent, intentional. And like I said, the clarity. So like when I was young, I had a uh, 21, I had a transport company. And it was just 2008, 2009 during a recession when I started it, we just getting after it and, you know, fuel prices were as high as they are now. And it was just a tough business, but so I was always just hustling and, and, and fighting for it. And I always thought once I get a few more connections or I, or I get over to where I'm actually netting six figures, then, you know, things are just magically going to come together. So I guess I kind of put a number or place on it, but I just wasn't like really focused on where do I need to get? How do I get there? Build a roadmap and make it happen. Yeah, it's kind of like we're we're looking for that threshold of, oh, well, I feel like my problems are going to go away once I get over there. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes that over there is a little bit vague. Sometimes it's, hey, when I make $100,000 a year, all my problems are going to go away. I just need to get to six figures. That'll be good, right? All my problems go away when I get to six figures, don't they? I mean, that's right. true, right? <laughs> Reassure me, Jason. Yeah, just more problems come. It depends on how you handle them, I guess. It just changes the problems. And it's like, it's one of those things where yeah. it's like, if you, if you're looking to ultimately solve all of your problems, you, you may as well just give up because that'll never happen. The only thing that happens is you replace your problems with different ones. Now they may be harder or they may be easier or they may just look different. They may have a different flavor or smell to them. Uh, but there's always going to be something on the horizon. You can't avoid that. Mold and shift how you like those. Sometimes. Yeah, that's right. And so I want to, one second. So tell me a little bit about how did you get this entrepreneurial bug about you? Uh, uh, take us, take us back to the the food truck bus. Mm -hmm. I want to hear this. <laughs> how did how does a guy end up like, you know, slinging sandwiches out of a bus? <laughs> well, the first part of that question, that initial bug, um, I was in 18 years old in Santa Monica Community College, and I just took an intro to business class, and I was just like, was kind of blown away. I'm just like, it just kind of opened my brain. Um, you know, as a, a young kid, I was just like, oh, okay. And I was just like, I started getting the brain turning and, and start coming up with ideas. So it just really lit off a, a light bulb for me. But, um, you know, fast forward six years or so to the to food truck, uh, my transport company I had for four or five years that came to a screeching halt. And so I had a 1991 school bus and I was like, I don't want to quit and, and sell out to this other trucking company and go work for them. So I was like, had a friend that lived in Huntsville, Alabama. He's like, why don't you bring the truck out here and we'll, uh, you know, turn into a food truck. So I was like, well, screw it. I just packed my stuff through my dogs in the, in the bus and just drove out there. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cause we were checking it out in Alabama in 2013. They just allowed uh, breweries. So they were popping up everywhere and they were very popular and it was just common theme for, the idea was to set up a breweries and then eventually work on a lunch schedule and kind of go from there. <clears throat> so, so we got that all built out, you know, it was pretty fun driving around town in a 36 foot school bus, just driving it. Like I stole it and <laughs> honking at people. So it was definitely an eye catcher and, you know, starting off was, was pretty good. We were, I had a business partner and then, you know, it got the winters are really tough. And in the first winter, six months into it, he quit on me. So I was like, okay, mm -hmm. he was supposed to be the chef and I was supposed to be the business guy. And I was like, okay, it looks like I'm gonna learn how to cook a little better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was, it was definitely a four, four year run that had a lot of, a lot of ups and downs and learned a lot, came up with some cool recipes. Um, what was your favorite recipe? Um, um, a barbecue sauce and then it's like a sriracha aioli i called the bus sauce that you kind of put on everything oh, yeah. and so the, the barbecue sauce was cool because i just just tried and tried different things and and just really made it my own like instead of doing liquid smoke i'd get some chili peppers they're dehydrated and i would smoke them and put them in a coffee grinder to give the smoky flavor 
And, you know, instead of just um, different chili powder, I'd mix in some wasabi powder and just like some, I don't know, there's like 35 different ingredients into it. It was pretty good. But the bus sauce, that's like you put on your tacos, you put on your burgers, your eggs and all this stuff. It's like a sriracha aioli. And that thing was a big hit. And so <clears throat> started bottling it, had a label, nutritional facts, had a guy that was going to get it in stores, bought a pallet of bottles right before the um, big accident where I wrecked the truck. <laughs> yeah. But that thing, that thing was ready to take off and, and be in a bunch of stores and stuff. So it would have been pretty cool. Right. The bus sauce. And then, uh, but instead it was like a, a flaming bus because you, you wrecked it into something. What happened? Um, <clears throat> so it was St. Patty's Day and I was just kind of overworked, um, didn't get much sleep. And so I was just driving home on the highway. And then next thing you know, I have a blowout and I take out the streetlight pole and I kind of come to and the streetlight pole sitting in my lap and the things mm -hmm. totaled. And the little town I was at took out power in, in half the town for, for almost a day. So the people were pretty mad Sunday morning when they try to go to the grocery store. Bill <laughs> <laughs> power goes out and Jason, well, my bad guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, uh, so that literally crashed and burned and, and you had to get the heck out of there. And so how do you recover from something like that? Oh, it, it was, it was rough, you know, cause, um, they, they arrested me because I had a couple of beers and, and so I got a DUI with the accident and uh, I just blew a couple, couple over the limit. I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, but now it's kind of stupid. But, um, so I just woke up and I had a bruised rib and my shoulder was all messed up. And then when I got out of jail, um, um, I was operating the kitchen out of this horse arena for their events as well. And this police officer met me there. He's like, you got till 5 p.m. to show me some insurance or I'm taking you back to jail or something. He was all pissed off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then the next morning, you know, I'm just kind of regrouping. And um, that horse arena contract for running their kitchen, they canceled on me. And all these events started canceling. Um, and just as things were falling in place, I was like, this looks like an opportune time to come back to Texas. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah, fun, guys, but I'm out of here. Texas yeah. doesn't have any laws, so we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really, really build it up, but like, you know, I was between the food truck and I was working on a second truck. I was doing about 275000 a year in tacos and it was, it was rolling pretty good. And, you know, right before that, obviously, but the big one was um, I was in pretty tight with the VP of sales for Remington Firearms out there. And they had a plant that had about 300 people that had an empty kitchen that they'd have vendors come serve lunch, um, kind of catering style. So I built a relationship with him. So what I'm getting at is that like, I was just about a month away from, you know, signing an agreement with him to serve their 300 people. And they were going to grow their, their plant to like 700 people. And the guy was like, didn't want a monthly rent. He, he didn't want a percentage of the profit. He just wanted me to have decent food prices for his, employees so to me doing 275,000 in, in tacos out of food bus and then you add that that would have been at least another 150,000 um in sales right there which you know then then when you get to that point you can start building better teams and like I don't have to do everything <laughs> it's kind of like what it was like almost on the brink point of just kind of like a launch pad mm -hmm. and then it just went exploded yeah and so, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of literally a lamppost in your lap. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and that's an interesting, well, I mean, it's an interesting situation. It's, it draws a parallel to so many entrepreneurs who are sitting here and listening to this right now. I mean, how many times, how many times have we gone after a dream or a vision and ended up with that lamppost in our lap? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's almost like not a question of if, but when, in most situations and, and the, and the, and the real sign of strength is, okay, you're sitting here with the lamppost in your lap and the police are, the police are doing the jaws of life to pull you out and take you to jail. What do you yeah. do next? What's your next move? How do you recover from that? And so mm -hmm. you went to Texas and what, what, what was the next move for you? Well, when I got out of jail, the first thing I do is call my buddy, Joe. <clears throat> and I was like, Hey man, um, you know, I'm in my late twenties now. I've owned a couple good businesses, but I don't really have any particular set of skills <laughs> that really equated to, to, to much. Um, and so he was like, my brother, Brian, Brian McKittrick, he's like, he's an in insurance. He's doing really good. Give him a call. So I hung up with him, called Brian. I was like, Hey man, you know, um, I used to live across the street from him a few years ago. I knew him a little bit and <clears throat> he just started telling me about health insurance, what he was doing and where he was at. So I just made a decision. I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, just fester and, and get depressed and sit around and cry and bitch and moan. Like, I'm just, I've decided I'm just going to attack that. I went to sign up for class to get my insurance license that day. Um, packed all my stuff, burned a bunch of stuff, sold a bunch of stuff. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> burned a get... bunch of stuff? Yeah. Well, because you, you got to think I had like a couple of kitchens food truck a bunch of equipment stuff so you could sell stuff but then it was like got to a point where there's a lot of shit going on i was trying to build some restaurants and stuff so i was like if i can't sell it i'm burning it because i was living out <laughs> in the country the <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was sitting there with a bruised rim and a busted shoulder by myself just like well is it gonna go in the trip back to texas if not if i can sell it nope all right i'm burning it and so just <laughs> that thing burned for like three weeks and it was just like a what what like is a, some, I don't know, like a passage kind of journey kind of thing, yeah. you know, just yeah, no, I get it. It's new beginnings. Like, it's very <laughs> metaphorical, you know, it's like I'm just burning mm -hmm. up my old life, but you were you took it literally. So what are what mm -hmm. were some things that you threw into the fire to to burn up your old life to to start the new one? What what are some examples of like if you couldn't take it with you and you couldn't sell it, you gotta burn it. What'd you have to burn? I don't know because I was just throwing stuff in there. Um, <laughs> I, I was just like, whatever wouldn't fit in the car, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I probably threw away some old boxes of, you know, collectible stuff that I've collected over the years, you know, old concert tickets, photos, probably that I shouldn't have. Um, a lot of just pointless stuff, too. But, you know, I was just kind of thinking of if I was Japanese, what would I do? And just the minimalist thing. <laughs> you don't need it. Right. You know? And so you call your, you call your boy and he says, uh, and you say, well, I've owned some businesses, but I don't have any particular skills. And he said, you should sell insurance. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. you, but you hit the ground running on that, man. And you take it very seriously. You start studying and get your license. And, mm -hmm. and then what happened? It wasn't pretty, you know, cause that my background, <laughs> you know, so a background before was, was a food truck and, you know, so that's a certain personality and kind of work ethic, you know, versus phone sales. And before that was a transport company and it was just, you know, I had four employees, a bunch of part-time employees and it was just 
a lot of logistics. So it was, it was an intro for me for sales, not selling myself necessarily, but you know, a different type of sales. So the first summer just sucked. Like it was three or four months. I sold like five policies or something. I was like second guessing my life. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to quit like five times. And I was just like, what am I doing? And then, um, you know, health insurance open enrollment is, you know, you do 75% of your business each year in a few months. So that was coming around. And then finally, just October, right around Halloween, it just clicked. I was like, okay, okay, you know, here's a little more process, what people are looking for What, you know, I was just finally figuring it out and then just fucking took off from there. I was uh, able to get my, um, my, you know, back end monthly residuals to eight, eight grand a month within 18 months. And so it was, it was pretty nice little journey for sure. I'm glad I didn't quit. Yeah. And so that's a big change. And then kind of creating that, that regular nest egg allows you to, to jump into, to some other ventures and, uh, we'll, we'll get, mm-hmm. we'll get to those in a second, but, uh, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to take that. You got a, you got a good looking noggin over there. I want to crack it open and take a look at your brain. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. And do a little do yeah, diagnostic five quick questions. Uh, ready. just rapid fire. First thing comes to your mind. You ready? Mm-hmm. Excellent. And so number one, let me ask you, what is one thing that you do, Jason, that helps you keep focused on your goals? Um, I've been getting better at it, but just doing more of a frequent audit on what I want and kind of what I'm looking for. And then once I do a little audit and a readjustment, then it's like step to the side and then move forward, step to the side, move forward, you know, and move the chunk out of the way and clear it up. I I like that. I like the way that you're describing that you move forward, you step to the side, take a look. And, and so uh, the second, the next question is how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? That just um, for me, just, the the big picture you know um i I was at this sales conference last weekend and john sheplak said something about um uh, trust the process not the outcome you know so it's just working out the process and then having that that big goal on you know when you have the 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 house and port aransas and the kind of the bigger goals that i have so trust the process and the work right there because you got something bigger in mind so that kind of helps me get back on, on the horse. Nice. And who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, just a few, few friends, um, girlfriend for sure. She's a real estate agent too. So we're always bouncing ideas off each other. Um, nice. you know, a few, few friends in apex and stuff and just people I regularly communicate with and like, Hey, what are you working on? What do you do? You know, and, you know, what's going on. And so, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And uh, Jason, how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? Mm, I just try to take a good look at it. You know, what's, um, what's, what's, what's the common goal and kind of just build a roadmap. I feel like if I can build a roadmap, then you can figure things out along the way. Makes sense. And what would you say, uh, last question, what would you say is the number one pro tip that you would give to somebody 
looking to get more stuff done in less time. Clarity and purpose. <laughs> yep. Coming right back around, man. Got a, got a information sandwich right there. I love it. So yeah. So talk to me a little bit. You've done a bunch of things, and uh, the next project here is this RV empire. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. What's that all about? Well, you know, you, you have definitely the needs, you know, around Dallas, Fort Worth. It's hard to rent anywhere if you were if you were trying to lease somewhere for under $1,500. And so creating, you know, 40 to 45 little spot RV park where somebody's paying around four or $500 a month is in ridiculous demand right now. So I've had a, a couple of clients, they sold their house and they were looking to kind of just do the RV life for a little while. <clears throat> and it's the first 30 of them that you call are full. So sure, there's there's plenty of like the resort style ones that charge a little bit more and they're, you know, they're obviously set up a little bit different, but for somebody that's kind of in that, in that certain market, it's definitely a, a crazy need in a lot of places, especially around here in DFW. And so just the idea of creating uh, a safe environment for somebody, you know, not a freaking <laughs> a meth lab trailer park, you know, somewhere where somebody's safe and, and has a, a decent, you know, place to live. It seems, seems like a, like a go-to, like a no brainer for me. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you don't, you don't want to go after the super lux, but you don't want to go to the, to the meth labs either. And so mm -hmm. this kind of in between where, Hey, I don't need all of the frills. I just need a place that's safe. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the bulk of all types of real estate, really. When you look at multifamily and apartments, the super ritzy class A stainless steel, everything with the, you know, the water displays and all of that. Uh, mm -hmm. Most people don't need that and they don't want it and they're not willing to pay the premium. But they also don't want to live in a place that they're worried about, <laughs> you know, intruders and the, you know, that could happen anywhere, but they don't want to be in a place sure. where they're not really sure what their neighbors are up to. Yeah. And so there's this whole swath in the middle that, uh, that is the most attractive to the most people. And what you're saying is there's a huge demand for that in the mm -hmm. RV space. And yeah. And, and what, what was it that initially attracted you to the, to the RV parks uh, to begin with? Uh, I believe you're, you're a bit of an enthusiast yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've always had, I got a nice camper now, but you know, I've had crappier campers before. I've just been involved in, going to a lot of different RV sites. Like, like when I had a transport company, it was hauling campers. So, I mean, it's been kind of entrenched in the field, been to a ton of different parks and kind of know how they operate, how they set up, what they look like, you know, why they look like that. And, you know, so definitely an enthusiast. And what, what kind of kicked it off was um, I was looking at some property for a client and outside of Covington, Texas, you know, south of Cleburne, south of Fort Worth. And there was this freaking RV parks on the side of the highway, you know, this like this guy had it up his mobile home and he'd set up 10 little spots right there and they were all full. And so I just kind of looking a little bit more into it about the development side, the, you know, different county laws and rules and, and what that would look like. And I think a lot of people are a little deterred from it just because it's a little bit of, takes a little bit of a grit and effort and kind of getting after it. 
the the beautiful thing that I'm I'm think and believe is that it's not like a mobile home park, you know, where somebody you have the mobile homes and they're renting from you because those type of people, you know, there's a good chance that your unit's going to get trashed. So the difference is these are people bringing their own stuff. Mm. They're not tenants. It's not a lease agreement. It's a, a you know site agreement to where if we have a disagreement, you know, pack your shit and get out. <laughs> it's it's their stuff. So if they want to trash, they they're welcome to, you know. So yeah. I don't know. So there are there different are there different kind of tenant laws uh in place for for that type of uh thing. For instance, you couldn't necessarily just kick somebody out if they were renting an apartment mm-hmm. or a house or a mobile home, but mm-hmm. but it's different for RVs. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all in the paperwork, but you know, they're not having mailboxes there. Um, there's no lease agreements. So it's more of like a site agreement mm-hmm. to where, you know, it's, it's very clear that when they walk in, it's going to be like, Hey, this is, you know, a safe place for people. If there's ever any disagreements or issues, we reserve the right to refuse anybody because you're not a tenant mm-hmm. and it's nothing personal. Um, but you know, this is what it is. And so there's no tenancy laws to back that up because they're not tenants. Got it. <clears throat> Well, it's fascinating stuff. And uh, so, what is uh, what is the ultimate goal for this, and what's the time frame? Um, the initial goal is to get one rolling and have a overly proof of process, and then and then do a freaking dozen of them. That's right. You know, and then retire in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. I love it. <laughs> And so are you currently, are you currently looking for anybody to, uh, to jump in and participate in this with you or uh, what would be the, the best way for somebody to, to reach out and why would they, why would they connect with you? What are some of the different, different reasons that somebody might get in touch with you? Um, to get in touch with me, I just usually keep everything on jasonvlafferty.com mm-hmm. and um, the reason to, you know, if somebody was interested in investing in it, um, just to kind of go over what the process would be, what it looks like and, uh, you know, what the, how everything's going to lay out and what that, what it actually looks like on paper and, and with the demand and everything like that and the execution of it. Yep. Awesome. Great. So that's Jason V Lafferty dot com. Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, yeah, man, sharing a little bit of your story about the the bus sauce and the lamppost in your lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, for anybody interested in reaching out and connecting with Jason about uh, his various adventures, to catch up with him, see where he's at, talk to him about his RV business, which is his passion right now, uh, you can reach out to him directly at jasonvlafferty.com. Uh, you can also go to thedozone.com if you're a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level. You can get some more productivity tips, tools, and strategies over there. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action 
daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? Go do something already. See you next time.